Hello, welcome to the Healthy for Men podumentary series, the official podcast for Holland and Barrett's Healthy for Men magazine. In this episode, we speak with British racing car driver Philip Hansen. Philip currently competes in the FIA World Endurance Championship and the European Endurance Championships with United Autosports. In this conversation, we talk about how Philip prepares both physically and mentally for a racing season. I hope you enjoy. Today we're joined with racing car driver Phil Hansen. Phil, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well indeed, thank you. Um, so to start with, we'll talk a little bit about uh, your career and how you got into to racing. Um, so how long have you been racing for? Um, well, I started in karting at uh, around 14 years old, um, back in 2013, 2014. And uh, yeah, from then on, I did about a couple of years in karting and went straight into cars at 16. And I've been racing cars for the last four years and um, been in LMP2, which is my current category for the last two and a half. Excellent. So last year you won uh, the Asian Le Mans. Yeah, I won the Asian Le Mans series um, over the winter of last year. And then the two years before that, previously, I won the Asian Le Mans series in a different category, which is called LMP3, um, which is essentially the category below what I'm doing now. Um, and then this year I've been competing in the World Endurance Championship, which is the World Championship, as well as the European Le Mans Series. And currently I'm uh, I'm leading both championships, so both the Worlds and the Europeans. Wow, congratulations. Thank so you. what's that been like for you? It's been good. It's been hectic, obviously, with COVID and everything that's happened. Um, it's It's been a very joined season. We've, we've been able to, you know, we haven't been racing for four months like everyone else has been on the furlough or in quarantine so for, for most sports they've kind of restarted or started their new season very late in the year which has been a bit hectic um both when the world championship was was three quarters of its way through the season and the european championship hadn't started so we've we've got to a point now where we've got you know three raceable months left before it gets too cold um and with they've crammed the remainder of the WEC season and trying to cram the whole of the European season. I think they've cut one race away, but five of the six races all into the next sort of three months. So it's, it's become very hectic. Blimey, that's quite hectic, isn't it? So how's that been for your mental health, having to prepare for such a lot in such a short period of time? It's been okay, to be honest. It's been it's been a breath of fresh air for me because it's it's one of these things where you've you've been waiting for it to start and waiting to hear news about when things are going to go back to normal because you know, racing is normality for me. So to have four months with, with not doing anything is, is the struggle. I think that was more the mental uh, strain and, and that was the task, you know, spending four months trying to stay active, trying to stay physically and mentally motivated. Um, but to come back and have so many races in such quick succession, um, it's actually just a breath of fresh air, really. You know, it's, we, all, you want, we all want to get back racing and to get back racing and have so many races soon after each other is, is great. It's great for me as a driver, but at the same time, I feel... Uh, a bit of empathy towards the mechanics and engineers who have uh, who won't have a break for the next three months. Time well spent, I would say. Yeah. To be honest, the first month was kind of wasted away, just not really knowing what the what the climate was going to be with this whole quarantine. You know, not knowing, hearing rumours would would it last a few weeks? Would last a month? Would last half a year? Um, and I convinced myself it wasn't going to be as long as it, it turned out to be. So um, I kind of stayed, tried to stay motivated and race ready for the first couple of weeks and I soon gave up and um, 
And then it was a case of just setting myself a routine and staying occupied. Like I think I, I learned how to juggle in the <laughs> in the first month. Um, set myself a few set myself a few physical goals, a few like gimmicky things I've always wanted to do. I've seen on the internet like a a muscle up, for example, it's one of those a pull up into a, like a dip. I wanted to be able to do one of those, so I set myself that in the next month. Um, just a lot of things that I I wouldn't normally do in in training. You know, stuff you know. The more muscle ups you can you can do doesn't make you a faster racing driver. So it was something that was just one of these things, you know, like a bucket list thing that I'd wanted to be able to do. I think I, I, I can get about between depends on how ready I'm going because obviously I, I don't train to do a muscle up. I train to to be a fitter and more more athletic racing driver. So um, unfortunately, muscle ups don't really um, don't really line up as part of that category. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think I do probably about eight eight to ten, which is a uh, which is better than, than it first went, but um, yeah. Just... Yeah, that's about seven more than me, so well done. <laughs> uh, and um, it yeah. was time well spent, I would say. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, it, I, I sound like I was just playing around, but I did set myself a routine. As soon as I, I was setting an alarm, waking up, doing similar things every day, the time flew by pretty quick, you know. Um, I think like for everyone, I think you, when, when if you got asked, what would you do with four months of free time? And you compare that to what you actually spent four months of free time doing. I think it's quite a, quite a difference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, you're completely right. So, what is it about racing that that you love so much, and, and what you what you missed during that time? To be honest, I thought I think we've uh, recently had this discussion with my teammate of why racing is such a hook and pull on people in the in the industry, and I think it's because we we spend so much time losing mm-hmm. that when you win, it's all the more sweet. In motorsport, it's 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 a very different sort of sport. You you when you win, when things come together, it's not as regular as you might see in Formula One with Lewis Hamilton winning, you know, quite dominantly in the last six years. In in other sports, it's um, in other in other series and categories in motorsport, it's it's a case of very rare that you you get a winning streak. So it's quite often that you're you're faced with defeat and failure, and it's that that drives you on to get the victory. And it's, I said this to my teammates, it's amazing how you feel like you're on top of the world when you win a race because we just won in Spa last weekend in, in the World Championship. And, you know, the, the feeling maybe lasted 24 hours and then it's, it's back to how we can improve for the next race. I'm saying the, the winning feeling lasts for 24 hours, but the feeling of losing or when you come second or third or if you had an issue in the race or you make a mistake, that lasts from the moment you finish the race all the way through to starting the next race, which could be two weeks after. And because it's such a such a big gap between races um it really does hang on your mind and for example Le Mans which happens once a year and it's such a lottery for many things can go wrong that's a that's a big one because you you spend a year waiting for it to come back around and you hope that you can perform to the best of your ability everyone else pulls their own weight and and you don't have any issues because so much can go wrong in that one race for example yeah but winning that that time for that very short period where you can celebrate does that make it all worth it? It does, yeah. And I think the the drive to set yourself goals for for the upcoming events and the championships that you're entered in, um, yeah, that's it's a pretty strong drive. It's like anything. I think if you ask any sportsman, what's what makes that sport so great? I think it's just the competition. I think it's the fact that you're competing to win, and when you feel that you have the capability of being able to perform at a top level, I think it's um, the competition itself is just is just in itself, you know what's motivated what motivates you 
Absolutely, yeah. And I, I suppose it's quite reassuring for a lot of people to know that someone like yourself who's a great sportsman and they're constantly, because of the type of sport that you're in, you're you're very rarely at that point where you're where you're winning. Um, to know that that still drives you on, even though that it's so sort of, you know, few and far between, um, that should be inspirational for anyone. You know, a lot of us feel like we're failing and, and things. and um, But just to keep going and know that that time is going to come where you're going to be, be able to enjoy those 24 hours and it's all going to be worth it. Um, it must sort yeah. of train you in other areas of your life to, you know, to persevere. Yeah, it does. But at the same time, hearing you say that kind of makes me cringe a little bit because I think of all the different platforms where you hear the sort of typical, um, it's you learn more from your failures and your successes and everything. And, <laughs> and hearing that, naturally, I just, I kind of cringe at the idea of, yeah, you need to fail to be successful. But unfortunately, the reason everyone's saying it is because it is the truth. And yeah, um, it yeah. is it is what you, the growth that you make in failure and in, in um in mm. times of well you'd be you assured know. that when you said it it wasn't cliched but when i said it it sounded pretty cliched so don't, don't worry <laughs> nah. yours, yours is safe nah, yeah. your philosophy is safe um so talking <laughs> about the sort of mental side of things as well how do you get your mind ready for a racing season how do you prepare for that focus or does it just come when you sit in the in the driving seat i think it's 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 many things go into mental preparation i think um the best thing you can do is race loads and you know the, the fitter you are on the car the fitter you will be mentally as well um i think mental strength is one of these things that's very personal for everyone mm -hmm. and um i think the the best way to train it is to put yourself in the circumstances of when you really need to use it so if that's deep into a race when you're leading and you're defending for second place and you've got you're at a level of physical fatigue and it's just these mental sort of strength that keeps you going you know, those are circumstances that don't happen very often. Those are the, the times where you really grow mentally. Um, apart from that, just physical exertion, getting to a point of physical failure and allowing your mind to take over in the gym is another is another good tool I have in, in the pocket to be able to, to push my mental strength. Um, but it's very individual. For me, I think of I think of the most pain I've been in physically and I think of how I was able to endure that. And I mm. always can it's one of these things where I compare it to a past experience in the gym, for example, the worst pain I've ever experienced and how mentally I could mm -hmm. continue to push myself. And I always convince myself because it was in the past, it was always more painful than what it is now. So I think, well, you know, no matter what I encounter, it can't be as painful as that one set of intervals I did in the gym two years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's, it's comforting knowing I've probably been through such similar pain and, and mentally I've got through it. Wow, yeah, that's a really powerful philosophy, I think. Again, it works for me, but it might not work for someone else. You know, I just, I think if there's, there's one awful sort of 45-minute interval set where I was completely destroyed and I continued going for 10 minutes, and that's something personal for me because I can remember maybe I didn't, sh I mean, I, I was obviously showing I was completely finished, but mm -hmm. um, inside I felt even more torn than what I probably <laughs> yeah. looked. <laughs> but you got through it and you came out the other end and you're pleased that you did it. So I suppose going to that place again, it totally makes sense. Um, I'm yeah, exactly. Next time I'm in the gym. <laughs> Definitely. I, I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. But if it works for you, then, then give it a go. <laughs> Whatever works. So do you ever struggle to maintain your focus when you're driving? If, if you feel like you're perhaps not doing as well as you could be doing or if something's happened on on the road behind you or in front of you um is there something that you can do to just zone in on your performance yeah i mean your mind does drift away a little bit it's it's more common in endurance racing than it is in sprint racing so 
a Formula One race might make may last up to two hours, an hour and 45 minutes and endurance races up to 24 hours. So mm-hmm. um, when you're getting in the car three or four or five times during the race, each for a minimum of two hours and a maximum of four, mm-hmm. it's very easy for your mind to drift off. And especially as your physical fatigue sets in, for example, at Le Mans, um, in the morning hours after the race is typically the window of where everything goes wrong. Other drivers crash, cars DNF with issues. And that's the sort of point at which your physical fatigue sets in and your mental strength has to take over. You have to sort of always bring yourself in the moment to stay focused. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you see that every year with with how all the accidents tend to happen in this sort of golden hour window, um, which is just after the morning break. You've, you've managed to race through the night and then the fatigue sets in. And um, mm. I think that is a lot of it is just keeping focus and it's, it's much more difficult to keep focus, obviously, when you're when you're physically done. Um, yeah. So it's, it's one of these things where the top athletes, the top level sportsmen will be able to sort of stay focused under pressure and stay focused when when they're really struggling physically and mentally. Yeah. Do you have a, uh, a preferred drink or meal before a race that might help you? Do you have a coffee or energy drinks or anything? Um, to be honest, I, I normally go for chicken spinach pasta. I think I've said that probably about a dozen times last weekend when I've, I've asked the, the team hospitality folks um, <laughs> about, about, you know, they always prepare lovely meals and I'm always walking into the kitchen saying chicken spinach pasta. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, works, I see that so I, I, I never see shock on their face when they hear me say that. So um, I, I feel a bit sorry <laughs> for them how many times they've had to pull that out the 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 kitchen um but yeah well, you, that's well for you're me. doing it's, great it, on it so keep keeping with the chicken yeah exactly i'm probably not going to change it until until my body can't can't absorb any more chicken <laughs> spinach or pasta you have to reduce the carbs as you get a little bit older trust me but yeah exactly and then typically fine. in the race it's just it's a case of replenishing your carbs and electrolytes um electrolyte tablets and water are great and glycogen mm-hmm. gels um those science and sports little I don't know what you call them, little uh, yeah, gel, little uh, packs of gels, like yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really, really easy to absorb, and and they go go straight into your bloodstream very quick. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I survive on those during the race if I know I have to get back in the car soon. But mm. yeah, it's, it's difficult because you need to just kind of at some points you need to just do what you what your body's telling you and eat, eat what you want. Um, yeah, and just try and eat to fuel yourself as opposed to to maybe shoving, you know. 10 donuts down your down your stomach down your throat but do you do that once you won a race are you on the, once i've won a race yeah or you know comfort food's always a good one after after a, a bad race for example mm-hmm. uh silverstone last year we had two dnfs i remember i had a big ice cream after that one oh. to, to comfort my to comfort my emotions <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine yeah <laughs> so uh, with the physical side of of training i think you might not presume that that, that there is a quite a heavy um, training regime for, for racing drivers at sort of your level to get your body in the right condition, you get your mind in the right condition. Also, it's, there's a lot of endurance with driving the car as well. I know this only because I went to the McLaren's uh, factory and did a little uh, training session with one of their PTs there. And it just destroyed me because it's muscles that people like myself who don't professionally drive uh, we just don't use those muscles for that kind of endurance so holding the holding a plate and and sitting on the the ball that kind of thing it really takes it out of you if you're not used to it so how do you find the training do you enjoy it yeah i do um i like the fulfillment of training i've always enjoyed it and um 
again it's it's because it's such a strange physical physical sort of fatigue and an exertion in a race car with g-forces and being able to to sort of hold your body still and rate of movement being very crucial obviously because if you if you're kind of falling around in the car you're going to turn the wheel more and you've, you've got to be able to hold hold yourself up and even with the support of the seatbelts, there's a lot of core stability strength that you're needed in the car, mm-hmm. um, as well as the neck. Obviously, neck is probably one of the most undertrained muscle parts in your body when it comes to most sports. But in in racing, it's it's crucial because of all the g-force and your head being, you know, your your body's strapped in with uh, with your seatbelts and your harnesses mm-hmm. and everything. But with your neck, it's completely free to move. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to see the corners. Mm-hmm. Um, slightly slightly held by a hands device, which which is there for in the event of an accident, so you don't hyperextend your neck. But um, your neck is is one of these things where it's it's very particular to racing. It's not something that you would you'd typically see in a marathon runner or a footballer because um, yeah, they simply don't need that muscle group to be to be conditioned. Um, it's very vulnerable as well, isn't it? So I suppose you need. That yeah, it is vulnerable, support. and it, it's a very tricky muscle group to train. Um, uh, there's a lot of different philosophies on how you train yourself. A lot of people try and replicate the car in in the gym. For me, it's I, I follow a, a different approach. I try and condition my body as best I can in the gym, and then let the car do the rest of it. Um, so mm-hmm. I try and focus on conditioning my muscles and getting the most activation and the most endurance sort of um, re- resistance I can get in the gym by doing mm-hmm. the most compound, like typically the most, I guess, basic stuff that you wouldn't think a race driver would do typical compound movements. Um, and yeah. then I, and then for, for the neck, I allow the car to do that. I do a little bit of neck training obviously cause I have to, but I wouldn't say I'm trying to replicate the car in the gym. I'm more trying to make sure my body's condition, strength conditioning is up to scratch. Cardio endurance mm-hmm. is up to scratch and in all the little areas. And then I hope that that sets a foundation for me for when I get in the car yeah. and it so far has worked great. Fantastic. That's great to hear. So I suppose whatever muscle you want to grow, doing those compound moves is probably going to be the best thing to do, isn't it? Because you want your whole body to grow to support that that muscle and that yeah. muscle in turn. Yeah, exactly. And there's um, it's it's an interesting thing because it's it's essentially resistance training, um, but an endurance aspect because as you corner, you have G forces pushing your body in the opposite direction of the way the car's going. And mm-hmm. you've got the seat to support you, but in endurance racing, where you have, I have two teammates at Le Mans. There's compromises in your seat to allow all three drivers to to fit in the same seat. So, the tallest teammate of mine, Paul, he has his base seat is is the biggest, and I have an insert mm-hmm. into that. And then at the pit stop, I remove my insert, and Felipe, the shortest of us three, will put his insert in and get in his his own. But essentially, because we have to do a driver change in 17 seconds. Um, we can't afford to have a, a massive insert that you know goes up from our shoulders all the way down to our, our feet. Um, it has yeah. to be sort of the the minimum amount of support that you can get. So for me, it's just my upper body um, and my legs are are supported to some extent, but that they 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 can roam free if I didn't have the strength to to stabilize myself, you know, and um, the core strength to stop myself moving around in the seat. Um, yeah. So it's a kind of trade off between having the support to support you throughout a 24 hour race, especially the high G corners, but also not being able to lose that much time in the pit stop because of having to, you know, trying to pull out this massive seat through a tiny door. Right. Yeah, of course. There's so much strategy to it, isn't there? That you, you obviously someone like myself wouldn't, wouldn't think about that, that kind of thing. Um, 
So yeah, it's fascinating. So have has your tra- your training adapted and and evolved since you've been you know winning more races and racing more? Or do you yeah, sort of stick to a winning involves. formula? I mean, yeah. to be honest, I think you've always got to change things and try and put your body through different scenarios and different types of training. Um, I think that's that's the best way to ensure that you're growing and working at the maximum rate. Um, but at the same time, sometimes I come back from race and I'm saying, you know, we've we've worked hard at this area of my physical, you know, journey. Mm-hmm. But there, there's an aspect that we haven't really looked at. Like recently, it was sort of my mid thoracic just I was getting a bit of a cramp through one this one particular track and I did the most driving in that race so it was it was something that was only becoming a, I was becoming aware of later in the race as I was getting more fatigued mm-hmm. so we would then implement some training to try and resolve that issue and strengthen it for the upcoming races and I think we've done a good job of that it's difficult to know how good it is because you you tend different tracks with different loads different mm-hmm. physical um loads in your body so some tracks are neck dominant some tracks are, are very low g's but it's um it's a different type of endurance yeah so um so you have to be constantly adapting and yeah ha- i give a lot of feedback to my my trainer we work together and um yeah and essentially it's just it's what works for you mm-hmm. i know a lot of drivers do different things and luckily i've never had an issue with physically in the car um but i've seen it you know i've seen it at Le Mans where people haven't wanted to get back in the car because it's been it's been just too physically grueling for them and they didn't want to get back in the car because they worry about crashing or they just completely finished mm-hmm. haven't had enough sleep so luckily because of the sort of people i have around me and the way i'm able to to push myself in the gym i've never really encountered that sort of physical mental barrier yeah oh fantastic um so what are you looking forward to next what's the, what's next for for phil hansen um, well, it's actually about a week away. I go back to France. We were meant to be going to Barcelona, but we're going to France for the next one of the European Championships, the European Le Mans series. And then after that, it's a two-week break before Le Mans. Typically, Le Mans in June, but obviously with mm-hmm. COVID and everything, it's been postponed to September. But it's it's going to go ahead, and um, it's going to be a big one for us because that's Le Mans counts as one of the rounds in the World Championships. So. For us, it's a it's a big point scoring event, and we need to be able to finish the race in a top position to be able to secure the championship. So it's a trade off between wanting to push like crazy and win Le Mans because it's such a big standalone event. Yeah, but at the same time, we can't afford to make any mistakes because it could jeopardize our, our world championship efforts. Absolutely, yeah. Are you relieved that it's going ahead? Was there a point? Yeah, I am. Yeah, it's not going to happen this year. Yeah, a lot of races I've, I've, I've thought that. Um, but to be honest, to give credit to the organisers, they've done a good job of sort of implementing these different regulations and mm-hmm. ensuring that people that test positive follow certain procedures so they make allow the rest of us to race and for the show to go on. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, yeah. Great to hear. Um, well, I'm, I'm wishing you all the best, Philip. It's been amazing speaking to you. I'm sure all of our listeners have been really enlightened about the training and the mental sort of fortitude behind um, racing drivers like like yourself. Um, it is fascinating. And we look forward to seeing how you do in the coming weeks. So all the best. Thanks ever so much for talking to us. Yeah, great. Thanks a lot, Tom. Cheers. <laughs>